Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Well, you uh, certainly got engaged in the opening hour of the show since we totally restructured things from how we normally do them. Uh, special thanks to all the callers and listeners uh, and texters, uh, and, and we basically went calls. I'll work in some texts. Um, people are hot. They're heated. This, in large part, to Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl and Darnell Nurse basically taking matters into their own hands. Uh, do the Oilers need to look at perhaps changing the dynamic to the bottom six? I would be, especially in light of the fact that they don't have a Vander Kane in the short term, I, I would be totally on board with that. I think if you listen to the show, you know that. Oilers Now is brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer, the ideal place to start your daily vacation. Again, I'm talking about a guy for a million bucks or less that can play the six or eight minutes that Dylan Holloway's playing right now. Because, you know what? Dylan can go down to minors and play 16 to 18 minutes or 18 to 20 minutes a game. And, uh, you know, or you can have a guy in there instead of Devin Shore or something uh, just to give the team a little bit different dynamic. Did not mind Costin and Yanmark in last night's game, which maybe speaks to some of the challenges the Oilers had getting boxed out a bit by L.A. Many of you think the league needs to do a better job uh, protecting their stars as well. Keep uh, reaching us on the uh, Ashley Fine Floors text line 780-496-0063. Get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors, 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. And uh, you can also reach us on the River Cree Resort Casino hotline 780-496-0063. The River Cree Resort Casino excitement. Bet on it. So here is, and we're going to discuss this with our next guest, Frank Saravalli, our Oilers now headliner today for Wilhock Beef Jerky. It is the best you've ever tasted. Search for Wilhock, W-I-L-H-A, UK Today, three locations, the Edmonton region is serving Frank's appearances uh, weekly in Oilers now, are presented by Horse Racing Alberta. Frank Saravalli from the Daily Faceoff. Horse Racing Alberta, live standard bread, standard bread racing is back Friday and Saturdays at Century Mile. See you at the races. Without further ado, he's from Philadelphia. I hated the Flyers in the 70s. I loved Eric Lindros. Uh, and the Flyers have committed to a different type of team this year. And the Oilers maybe are lacking a little bit of what Philly has. Let's discuss this as we welcome back to the show one of the most plugged-in men in the business from Daily Faceoff, Frank Saravalli. Frank, how are you? Pretty good, Bob. How are you? Good. So, obviously, because you have your pulse and everything around the league, you saw Edler, the Edler-McDavid incident last night. And it's led to a multitude of discussion points on the, uh, uh, you know, from the perspective of certainly fans uh, in Edmonton. So here's the deal, Frank. First of all, do you think the league does enough to protect their star players? I think they do. I mean, I think you look at this one particular play, I think you have to look at it not based on who's on the receiving end of it, but totally agnostically we would take the name off the jersey is this a suspendable hit or not and i i think that's the way all 
you know, if all plays that run through the, the Department of Player Safety, they operate on that manner, um, short of the other end of it, which is hits that come from repeat offenders and players that usually put themselves in this spot um, are, are viewed differently on the delivering end. And maybe I could understand the frustration and the angst from Oiler fans today and the anger saying, well, hey, this is exactly what Alex Edler has done before, just in a different time and against a different person who is the star and face of the league. Yeah, uh, Edler, you know, took uh, knocked Zach Hyman out of the lineup on a similar type of hit for two months when he was with the Maple Leafs. Hyman, not a star player, but a pretty good player. You, you say that the, the league looks at things agnostically. Frank, you're in Philadelphia. The Eagles are in Philadelphia. The 76ers are in Philadelphia. In the NBA and in the NFL, does the league look at hits to star players agnostically? Or do I they protect? They, yes. Or do they protect the star players a little bit? Do they do, do basketball officials have a set of rules for the average player that's different for the star player when the star player travels? Well, you're asking two different questions when it comes to: Are we talking about the way the game is officiated, or are we talking about the way the game is managed from a supplemental discipline perspective? Because I I agree with you wholeheartedly. The NBA and their officials blow the whistle differently based on the player that's taking the ball to the hoop, and they have a different set of rules and a lot more leeway. Yep. And in football, they protect the quarterback, you know, even blindly at times, which is, is crazy and drives people nuts. But I understand it because if you don't have a quarterback, you can't win. Um, in hockey, I think the abuse that Connor McDavid has taken over the years is insane. I think way more penalties should have been called. He should have earned way more penalties based on the way he plays, how much faster he is, and how nervous he makes opponents. But in this case, I think we're talking about something totally different, and I don't know that you should be conflating the two. All right. That's my point. So is it incumbent upon a team? And again, I I have, as you know, I have some time for sharp, young analytics-driven individuals that look at the game differently than maybe some old-schoolers do. Um, is it still... Because you're in Philadelphia, and, and and they were soft and easy to play against a couple of years ago. They ain't... Like, say what you want about the Flyers, and they got, you know, I don't know, $25, $30 million out of the lineup right now with, you know, their better players injured. But they went out to make sure nobody pushed them around anymore this summer. And uh, well, they had a bit of that last year, like when they grabbed someone like Zach McEwen off of waivers. Yeah. Who I think I heard your intro and exactly sort of what you were talking about in terms of, you know, it, not even just situations like last night. Like, I, you know, it's nice that Darnell Nurse hopped in, and I think that's important, but that's not the guy you want dropping the gloves. You and and I think it's important to have some jam. But I'm not even certain necessarily that that's exactly what you're talking about in terms of just having muscle and brawn and toughness. It's also, there's a factor of being difficult to play against, right? That I think the Oilers' bottom six has been missing in terms of relentless puck pursuit. In, in fact, in some ways, doing a lot of what Zach Hyman does on, on the, at the top of the lineup but bringing that same approach, even if less talented, to the bottom of the lineup. Am I on the right track? Yeah, well, I mean, 
you can't be one dimension. Zach McEwen is not a one dimensional player. He gets, in fact, he's is he not playing in their top six right now, or at least in their top nine? It's because he's a really good four checker, and he's in on plays, and he's he makes things happen. Yeah. So, again. They signed Delorier, who kills penalties and is good a technical fighter as there is in the league. They have Sealer, who might be the most underrated. Like, he can stand back and do a punch-in-the-face contest that would make Rudy Postcheck proud. Like, he's a tough guy. And they even have Hayden Hodson, who had a terrible training camp, but they got him in the minors. And they, that's why McEwen went on waivers. And So McEwen's the guy that can do it as a left wing. We've talked about a guy on the right side, Frank. You you mentioned him, I think, somewhere because uh, I heard about it. But Sam Lafferty, we discussed him on our show, mm-hmm. and he is is he not a pretty effective penalty killing, four checking uh, third liner as well? He is, but I'd be careful in terms of talking about the Flyers in terms of ideal roster construction because what you run into is they have a lot of those pieces that you're talking about but not a lot of upper echelon talent. Right. And it's a lot easier to get the bottom six guys to fill out your group when that's really what you have your, your eyes peeled for rather than the top flight guys in the world that the Oilers have been able to huh. manage and covet. Yeah, so, I, I'm, not, I'm not worried about the Flyers' end of it. I'm worried about the Oilers without having a banner cane for the next three to four months who provides a lot of jam in the Oilers' top six, I want Edmonton to find a way to get another guy in here. That's, it's so what, the, what if there's a guy that might be able to bring some jam that is solid down the middle, and well, he was an absolute pain in the arse to play against for a long time, but people wonder how much his game has fallen off. Like I, I've been looking at Jonathan Taves for a long time as someone that makes a lot of sense for an Oilers team moving forward. Um, that I think could use some more support based down the middle based on the flexibility that it would provide Jay Woodcroft. Well, as long as we don't have David Backus trying to suck him into fights because he went through a run of Canadian players that he seemingly always wanted to fight. I, well, like I, different. Jonathan Taze is a bigger, more complex trait. I'm talking about a quick hit over the next two weeks to change the complexion of a, of a bottom six. Would Chicago be open to moving? I was under the impression Taze and Kane, if they get moved, it's going to be closer to the deadline. Is that not the case, Frank? It it is, yeah. No, that's totally the case. I think once the calendar turns to December, they're going to begin to have those conversations is, is what my understanding is. But in terms of some of these other guys further down the lineup, like you could approach any team about moving the deck chairs around, I think. You know, you could approach Pittsburgh about who they have in their bottom six. Like, who, go down the list, even teams that um, – there's plenty of teams out there that are unhappy with their start. Let's put it that way. Yeah. How much does Scott – you were at the uh, NHL GM's meetings. Did you get a sense that there was anything percolating, that things were starting to get going? I did. In fact, like, I really think things have picked up in terms of the conversation front. Um, based on the sheer number of teams that I just said really are, are not happy with their start and would like to shake things up a little bit, maybe not so much in a big-name Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves sort of way, but in, in sort of something that gives their team a little shot in the arm and makes people feel a little bit uncomfortable, not that players reading through everything that we're putting out there, not that they don't understand that there's potentially a shooter drop in some of these places, but... You then take a look at a team like St. Louis, for instance, and 
basically the binary approach to their season, win three in a row, lose eight in a row, now win four in a row again. Like, I'm sure Doug Armstrong had his finger on the trigger at a certain point to shake things up and now is all of a sudden saying, hey, maybe I'm glad I did it. Like, maybe patience sometimes is the right approach on that front. Um, I don't know that there's readily anyone sitting out there that's low-hanging fruit that's like a sixth or seventh-round pick that's going to give the Oilers exactly what you're talking about and also any potential cap considerations that may come from that, even though you have a little bit of flexibility right now with Kane, uh, you have to account at some point for that to um, for that to change. And by the way, I, I actually like Clem Costin's game last night. Like, I thought he provided a little of that juice. Like he was, certainly wasn't afraid, which I think is more than you can say from some of the guys in the bottom six for the Oilers. That and Yanmark's a pro. Like he's been around a long time. Yeah. No, he's played 400 games. Frank Cervelli from uh, Daily Faceoff of the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta. Live standard bread racing back every Friday and Saturday at Century Mile. See you at the races. Uh, all right, so the uh, you know there's the usual suspects. Uh, people are looking at Chicago. People are looking at Arizona. By the way, Frank, you remember this with St. Louis back during the 1819 season. They came in here. And Pete Shirelli was still a GM, and the Oilers were looking to add at that time. And St. Louis was like 30 or 31st in the league, right? And uh, the names Bowmeister and Maroon got brought up, and those guys ended up winning the Stanley Cup that year. Crazy how it is does. That, is that right around the time of the Strom for Spooner deal? It was after. Or is that too soon to go there? No. <laughs> it, was a, it was a terrible trade. It was a terrible trade. As As. Bad, you know what? I mean, Ryan Spooner didn't even want to play hockey. And Pete Shirelli drafted that player. Like, he, he had to know that. So, it was a terrible well, trade. Things happen and things change, but could you imagine what Ryan Strom would look like with this team right now anchoring a third-line center spot? Could they have afforded to pay him? Well, they wouldn't. You know what? They probably wouldn't have Hyman or Kane. Because it would yeah, have to... the, the, that, one of those two guys for sure would not be there. Yeah. Um, all right. So which team do you think is most desperate to try to get something done to give their team a little bit of a push here, Frank? Ottawa seems pretty darn hungry. I'm just not sure that having really dug into the market on defense in the last few days, um, it, you know, it's uh, – I'm looking at it and I say, like, where, like, there is no magic answer. There's nothing that exists in terms of a younger player that fits Ottawa's age scheme that is also, um, you know, going to be available. And even just looking at it from a Toronto perspective in terms of how they replace Jake Muzzin, I, I went through and, and, and talked to multiple people on, on multiple teams um, about who may or may not be available at a certain point in the season. And, it's hard to find guys outside of rentals. Like it really is. And I think that's one of the big, you know, sort of trends heading into um, this March 3rd trade deadline is that anyone that has a quality defenseman has more or less locked that player down for the long term. And, and those guys aren't coming available unless they're rentals that are due big pay increases or someone that they feel like they can live without based on what they might get in return. What about Jacob Chickren? He's got three years left in his term. 
He does, and he's scheduled to make his season debut on Monday, I believe, the 21st. And no doubt teams will be watching, but i got to tell you from all the teams that I've talked to, there's significant question marks, and not just about his health. It's also about his game. Um, They have questions about the way he processes the game. Clearly he has a big shot, and he's mobile and has the ability to – um, yep. escape and, and do all these really impressive things, but they they question his his um, his thought process as he works his way through the game that they they aren't sure is elite and aren't sure really that his game is elite. Is he what is he? Is he a three? I don't know. I, I don't know the answer. He is probably as polarizing a player that you could deciphering and discussing his game and skill set. And on top of that, I think if you took the contract out of the mix and the term and the really reasonable cap hit, that a lot of people would be shrugging, like, had he made more? Like, they'd be like, we don't need this guy at all. But it's they're infatuated by the cap hit that I think changes some of their perception about him. We're joined by Frank Saravalli from Daily Faceoff. Frank, Columbus Blue Jackets in a world of hurt, literally and figuratively. They got a ton of injuries. Uh, Wierenski out now, Line's out. You know, they invested in Goodrow in the offseason. They have a pending UFA left shot defenseman. He's a, I think he's a pretty good player. Gavrikov, is his name out there at all? Uh, I think for the right price, the Columbus Blue Jackets would certainly consider moving him. And when you take a look at the contract that they gave Andrew Peak on their back end that I more or less view it in the sense that they're paying him to step in and be the next Gabrikov. And I think that they're fully understanding that he's going to be a valuable piece as it gets closer to the deadline. Um, the interesting thing about Gabrikov, as you look at him just from a pure stylistic perspective, and, and frankly, even something um, that I think if you were to go down the path defensively for the Oilers, which I don't think they need at the moment, he's a, he's a really strong defensive defenseman. I, I would err on not calling him a shutdown guy, but he's trending towards that direction. He's not, for being a bigger guy, isn't always overly physical, but is someone that um, at age 26 has the ability to kill plays, has size and reach, um, and every now and again can can give you a little bit of bite, that there's certainly no shortage of teams that would be interested in a player like him at $2.8 million at the deadline. Um, I'd imagine his next contract is closer to that, you know, sort of four times four range yeah. for teams that are projecting further down the line. Yeah. But Gavrikov is a guy that certainly was on my list as six potential fits for the Leafs to, to replace Muzzin. Um, it's... I think Columbus is a team to watch. I think they're hungry to do something too. I think there was some rumblings that Columbus and Vancouver might Horvat. have something going on in terms, yeah, in terms of a Horvat fit because Horvat. Think about Columbus and the way they play. They lack structure, and Horvat would provide a ton of that and be a guy down the middle that. I think Columbus would desperately need Frank. We had Mike McKenna on talking about Jack Campbell and. Incredible detail. You guys have something there with him at Daily Faceoff. He did a really great job breaking down Jack Campbell's game, and I have actually urged him since then. All right, you did him. Now do uh, Jacob Markstrom, and now go Thatcher Demko, and you can work your way around the league. Um, I don't know that everyone loves the nitpicking aspect of it, 
Um, but the way that he sees it is way different than me or anyone else. And I think, you know, when you look at Jack Campbell like that, that has to be a huge priority for the Oilers is getting him right. Hundred um, percent. How they go, how they go about doing that, whether it's giving him a two week run to to set back and and settle down and reset. Um, I, I don't know that you can go wrong doing something like that if if this trend continues. You know, we're in mid November. If you're going to do it at any point uh, to try and lower the temperature and and cool things down, this is the time to do it. Frank, great stuff. Thanks for your time. Hey, Bob, anytime now moving forward, I'm going to play a little game with you. Every time you mention that I'm from Philly, I'm going to take a shot, and maybe I'll be drunk by the end of the hit. What do you think? Did you ever, uh, when you were in college, did you ever do an Al Pacino Scarface uh, drinking contest? <laughs> uh, I did not. I was a power hour guy. So okay, so every every, every time. 60 seconds, take a shot of beer. Yeah, every every time he swears in the movie. You have to take a shot. Mm-hmm. Nobody survives the first 25 minutes of the movie. Okay, well, there you go. I'm, I'm putting you on the clock for every Philadelphia reference moving forward. Philadelphia's finest. No, not Mike Schmidt. No, not uh, Donovan McNabb. No, not Jalen Hurts. Frank Saravalli. Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Bob. Take care. You bet. Or Julia serving, I guess. We could have gone down that path. It is 126 in Edmonton. We'll have an updated orders now. Injury report when we return. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 128 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. It is time uh, to tell you Japanese Village, Edmonton's favorite Japanese steakhouse. Reserve your party today at jvedmonton.ca. Multiple locations in the Edmonton region for you. Don and his staff will take care of you. As we head into the orders now, injury report brought to you all season long by James H. Brown, injury lawyers. I saw Trent Brown yesterday at an event that we did uh, at the Derrick. Uh, James H. Brown, uh, unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. He said, Bob, the orders are going to miss Evander Kane. And Josh is said the same thing. This team already misses Kane so much. Kane hasn't fought since 2020, but he uh, but he brings presence that the Oilers don't have. He doesn't need to fight. Him just on the ice with 97 and 29 and you don't mess around. Facts show that since he joined the team. Well, he's a good player too. And we knew they were going to miss him. And they're going to have to work around it and, and maybe get a little bit creative to make that happen. All right. Uh, the Oilers now injury report. Kane out, obviously, three to four months. Connor Yamamoto not on the ice today. The Oilers only had 12 forwards out there. Tyler Penson was not there. I wonder whether or not he's going to end up doing a conditioning stint down in Bakersfield. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Christina Drapeau. And when we come back, we will hear from John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling.